It's my pleasure this morning to introduce Helen Toner talking about sustainable motivation. So Helen's now the Director of Strategy at CSET, the Centre for Security and Emerging Technology. Before joining CSET, Helen spent nine months in Beijing as a research affiliate of the Centre for the Governance of AI. There, she combined intensive study of Mandarin Chinese with research into the Chinese AI ecosystem. Helen previously worked as a senior research analyst at the Open Philanthropy Project, where she studied a a range of different areas before focusing on policy and strategy issues relating to progress in machine learning and artificial intelligence. So please submit any questions you have for Helen via Bizabo and join me in welcoming her to the stage. Hi. So I want to start with this thing we're all familiar with of burnout. Who knows what this thing is, where it's from? It's from The Sims, yeah. So for people who don't know uh, the video game or the computer game, um, uh, it's called The Sims. You play with these little people. They have their little lives, houses, jobs, and so on. And the whole time, they have this diamond over their head that shows how well they're doing. And when they're doing well, well well-rested, well-fed, and so on, it's green like this. And if you don't take care of them so well, like if they don't get enough sleep, it will gradually go yellow, orange, red, and then they collapse from exhaustion on their kitchen floor. And I think this is often how we think about burnout. We think of there being sort of some health progress bar where, you know, if we work more, maybe it gets depleted, and then you have to rest or take a vacation and it gets kind of, you know, boosted back up. And... Uh, the, the, the concept of work-life balance, I think, is kind of similar in that there's this idea that you have work and you have life, and if you have too much work, then you need to get some more life or you're going to you know, collapse on the ground. Um, but I'm not sure this is a very accurate way to think about burnout. So two examples of ways I think this doesn't really work. So first, who here has had the experience of working on a project, you know, doing your work, it's really stressful, it's really hard, you're working a lot, you're stressed out, and you take a weekend, or maybe you take a longer vacation, and it just doesn't help. Who's that happened to? Yeah, lots of people. And conversely, who has had the experience of working on something really hard, you're working long hours, it's really exciting, your team is great, you feel really into it, and you're not taking breaks, or you're, you're working really hard, but it feels really good, and you don't feel like you're getting tired, and you feel like you could keep going, and it's really motivating. Who's had that experience? Great. So it seems like this idea of this, like, you know, don't work too much, make sure you're, like, taking breaks or you're going to burn out, like, isn't really that accurate or doesn't map on that well to how this actually seems to work. Um, So in this talk, I wanted to offer a slightly different frame, which is the idea of sustainable motivation as something that I think we should be prioritizing. And by sustainable motivation, I mean figuring out how to build a life and a work and a rhythm that works for you, that you feel motivated by, and that you're going to continue feeling motivated by over the course of decades, rather than just pushing yourself really hard for a couple years in your 20s. And so I'm not going to talk about how you shouldn't work hard or how you should take more vacation. I'm definitely not going to pretend that I have all the answers here. But I do think we need to think about this and talk about this, and I have some ideas that I wanted to start the conversation with. So I want to tell a story about how I started thinking about this. I was working at the Open Philanthropy Project, and I'd been there for about a year and a half. 
I was working on stuff I really cared about. I was helping keep the wheels running as we scaled up our grant making by about 5x. I was doing some exploratory work on AI policy and strategy. I was managing a few people, was doing some other projects on the side. It was all really exciting, but it was a lot. And in fact, it was, it was so much that I, I didn't feel like I could do any of those things well. And I hated that feeling. And so I just pushed myself harder, and I tried to keep going, and I felt more and more overwhelmed. And then I looked like this. And, <laughs> and it got to the point where even though I cared so much about the work, and I loved my coworkers, and I felt really lucky to have the job, some days I just felt miserable, and I didn't want to be there, and I wanted to run away and go live by the ocean and never think about it ever again. And this seems like a real problem, but I eventually got around to doing what I should have done all along, and I talked to my manager about it, Holden Karnofsky, and I'll never forget how he reacted. He started by um, thanking me for bringing it to him and saying that if this ever came up again in the future, that the very first thing I should do would be to go to him. And then he pointed out that if, when I was in a situation like this, having too much on my plate, if my response was to put my head down and work harder, that that was never going to work. Because, you know, at most, if I started working evenings and weekends, maybe I could put in like 25% more hours or 50% more hours, and at the same time, I'd be running myself down, I'd be having a terrible time, I'd be risking burnout. Uh, whereas if I could talk to people about it, talk to him about it, talk to my other team members about it, and prioritize better, spend less time on things that mattered less, more time on things that mattered more, maybe I could work five or ten times more effectively by being strategic about it. And more generally, something that I, I picked up gradually over my time at Open Philanthropy was this sense that working in a way that is unsustainable, where you're sort of skirting at the edge of burnout, maybe at any time you might kind of collapse and drop all of your projects, was kind of like drunk driving, where you're risking your own safety. You're also risking the safety of your team, because they're going to have to jump in and scoop up what you're working on if something happens to you. You're risking the, the work that you're doing. So even if the only thing you care about is your work, the cause, you're willing to sacrifice everything for that work and that cause, even if that's how you feel, Working in this way is still just a really bad strategy. Um, and uh, even if you think as well that you're different and you know you're able to tell if you're getting close to burnout and you've got your, a handle on it, everything's totally fine, just stop for a second and, and reflect on all the people who felt that way right before they burned out. And take a second and let yourself reflect on how you actually feel. Because if it, it's true that you feel great and you can keep going, then reflecting on it isn't going to do any harm. So if you feel scared to stop and step back and talk to people about it, I think that's a real danger sign. But it goes beyond that because you're not just doing your own work and the way you work also has an effect on those around you. And if you feel like you're part of a community, for example, if you care about the EA community, then the way you work and the expectations you're setting, the norms you're setting and we're all setting, will affect that larger community. So if we want to be creating a community that will grow and thrive over the long term, it's really not going to work if the expectation is that to be serious, you have to give up your nights and weekends, you can't spend time with your family or friends, you have to be really serious, head down, pushing yourself really hard all the time. That's not how we're going to build a community that will last, again, for years and decades. And the third reason... I'll come back to the third reason. So if this matters, how can we do better? Again, I don't have all the answers. 
I just want to start this conversation, but I do have some suggestions. And all of those suggestions start with the fact that we are all different. We're different in what we care about, what we're motivated by, what we can do, how we work. I have one friend who is a world-class AI researcher. He publishes in, in top conferences. He does incredible research. That's not me. I have another friend who has to track his time to stop himself from working more than 55 hours per week and make sure he spends time with his wife because otherwise he could easily do 60 or more hours of productive work each week. That is not me. And my partner, infuriatingly, has the, uh, the skill that when he, starts, when he sits down to focus on something, he can lose himself in it for hours without getting distracted at all. At all. That is definitely not me. So, uh, you know, I could wish that I had the skills and knowledge and work habits of my friends. I could feel guilty that I don't. But wishing or feeling guilty is not going to help anyone. I am who I am. I have my own skills, knowledge, potential, limitations. And feeling guilty that I'm not a different way is about as productive as feeling guilty that all the world's problems aren't already solved. So all of these suggestions start from recognizing and accepting that we are all different. We have different needs. So we'll need to experiment, have an open mind, figure out what works for each of us. And a key thing here as well is noticing how you actually feel about what's going on and not how you think you should feel. So concrete suggestions. First up, you've heard all this before, you know, get enough sleep, work up a sweat sometimes, eat food that makes you feel good. Everyone is different, so you may not need exactly eight hours of sleep, of sleep per night. 25 minutes of moderate intensity exercise five times per week might not be exactly what you want. But figure out what works for you, and then try and do that. The second thing is to notice when you're not not working. Too often, this has really happened to me many times, I talk to someone I'm a little concerned about, and I say, when was the last time that you really took some time off, you know, didn't do something, didn't work, took some time for you. And they say to me, oh yeah, I took time off on Sunday. I didn't get anything done on Sunday. I say, hang on, were you trying to get work done on Sunday? And they're like, oh yeah, I just totally failed, did nothing, completely unproductive. That is not taking a break. That is not doing nothing. That is just working or feeling bad for not working or wishing you were working. So this will be different for everyone. Some things you could consider setting aside big blocks of time where you're just not trying to work. It's not the thing you do. This is what normal people do on evenings and weekends. I can highly recommend it. <laughs> if you're worried that something urgent is going to come up, and so you're checking email all the time, maybe you want to tell your colleagues that they should call you if something is really urgent. On the flip side, if your phone is buzzing all the time and it doesn't matter, consider putting it in a different room. Friends of mine have a tech-free Saturday every week, a Sabbath that is just for them, non-religious, just for them. I don't put work email on my phone, and I leave my laptop in the office on weeknights. You're all different. You'll need to figure out the things that work for you. But pay attention to when your brain is still tracking work, even if you're not at work or even if you don't think you're being productive, and see if you can find ways to, to free up your attention. Third... Try not to let work be the only place where you find meaning or status or joy. You may have the feeling that impact should be the only thing you care about, or you may even wish that impact were the only thing you care about. But the truth is, 
you're a human, and like all humans, you care about lots of things. You value lots of things. So if your career is mostly being shaped by the part of you that cares about impact, that's great. But recognize that there are parts of you that care about other things, and try and nourish those parts as well. This might just be as simple as spending time with your partner or your kids. It might be a hobby. It might be building elaborate, I don't know, uh, like cakes. Or it might be going for walks in the forest. Or it might be being part of a friendship circle who never think about the things that you think about in your day job. The important thing is that when things aren't going so well in your day job, in the part of your life that is shaped to please the part of you that cares about impact, that you have these other sources of strength and motivation to draw on. Lastly, I think this is maybe my most important suggestion or the one I feel best about, is to keep track in the back of your mind of how sustainable what you're currently doing is. And I actually want everyone in this room to to think about this right now. If the rest of your life were the way your life currently is, could you do it? And it's fine if the answer is no. It's good for the answer to be no sometimes. Sometimes it's a great decision to sprint for a while. But if you're doing that, you should know that you're doing it. The people around you, so the people you work with, the people you live with, should know that you're doing it, in part so they can help make sure that it's temporary. And you should be really serious about making sure that the times you're doing this are really worth it. You can also form hypotheses and test hypotheses about what might be better. You know, maybe you notice that the way you are right now is not sustainable. So you could, you could hypothesize, what if I spend more time with my kids? I'll try that, see how it goes. What if I hand off this one project at work? Try that, see how it goes. You'll need to experiment. Everyone's life is different. But keep track of whether the way things are for you right now is sustainable. And if they're not, do your best to make that temporary. And maybe this is the way to think about that green diamond from the beginning. So instead of thinking about that as being your energy level, where it goes down if you work too much and up if you rest, think of it as your sustainability meter. So green isn't vacation all the time. Green is the way things are now, the rhythm I'm currently in feels good, and I can keep going indefinitely. It's great. And it's fine if the diamond goes yellow or orange or even red sometimes, as long as it's only sometimes. So to recap, I think we should be thinking really hard and talking with each other about how to build sustainable motivation in each of our lives. Do it for your work, because your work matters, and you'll do a less effective job if you're not thinking about this. Do it for your community, because we're all setting the norms and expectations for each other all the time. And do it for you, because you're a human and and you matter. Thanks. Great. Thanks very much for that, Helen. So if anyone has questions, uh, feel free to submit them via the Bizabo app. Um, I guess listening to that, on the flip side of it, what then do you think that employers or EA orgs could do to help foster the kind of things you were talking about? Yeah, I think as a, as a manager, something I try really hard to do, and I think um, EA organizations I've worked out try hard to do, that's really important, is trying to have a really good sense of where the people you manage are at. Mm-hmm. Um, how are they feeling about what they're currently doing? Are they overloaded? 
Are they trying to, you know, are they receiving emails from you late at night and feeling like, oh no, that means that I need to be available to answer emails late at night? Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to really keep in touch with how people feel, make it okay for people to be not feeling well mm-hmm. and to tell you if they're not. Um, you know, it's important if someone does come to you and say, hey, I'm feeling kind of shaky, that you don't freak out about it, <laughs> that yeah. you reinforce that that's a good thing to have shared with you the way that, the way that Holden did with me. Mm-hmm. And then I guess to basically communication is, is key there in terms of keeping in the loop. Um, and anything kind of broader in terms of uh, making that accountable within the kind of broader workspace? Uh, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is to think of this as something important that people should be talking about and should mm-hmm. feel comfortable talking about. Um, I guess as well, something that I like about the drunk driving metaphor is that it's not a glorious thing to be driving drunk, right? Like maybe you're in a party and your friend gets hurt and the ambulance isn't coming and you have to get in the car and drive them to the hospital because it's really important. Like maybe you do that, but you're not like, woohoo, you yeah. know? And you're not like, man, I'm really cool. Um, it's like a serious, <laughs> it's a serious decision that you're making mm-hmm. and you try to make it as, as <laughs> I want to say soberly, which doesn't yeah. work quite well, you know, as cautiously and as deliberately as you can. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is kind of juxtapositioned against we see people who are like very successful in life and it's like they're running on the red and you can only do really amazing things when you're running on the red. And I guess it's kind of trying to counter that of you can do brilliant things, but just over decades. Yeah, I mean, the, the people I know who are very successful, Holden, certainly Jason Matheny, who's my boss now, mm-hmm. they work hard. They, they do. They do definitely work hard, but they also have lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, in both of their cases, they have partners, wives that they care about deeply and that they spend a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. Um, they both think really seriously about sleep and exercise and, you know, taking time for other things. Um, so I think, I think it can often look like people are, like all the successful people mm-hmm. are running on the red all the time. Um, and I'm just not convinced it's true. Actually, something I would love people to try um, when you leave this talk or on your way out, you can ask someone, someone you know well or someone you've just met for something that they find joy and meaning in other than work because everyone has them and I think we should talk about them and celebrate them. Yeah, and, and you actually asked me this last night. And it, was, it was such a fun question to think of, like what makes you just go like, woo, uh, and what, what's that? Or what you? makes you go like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to try to feel like woo about like my parents, but like yeah. I really love my parents. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> um, and then what's that? source of joy for you then? Oh, I mean, there are several. So I I think I said, you know, try and diversify your sources of joy and meaning. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to have at least one outside work. I certainly have several. Um, My family, um, who I speak with every week, even though they live in Australia. Um, My partner, um, I've just got back into horseback riding after five years off, which is something I did as a child and I I really care deeply about. Um, Dancing, hanging out with my housemate's dog, like so many things. Cooking. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then some questions from the audience. So, um, the, the standard of hours work per week vary by country. Do you have a kind of guesstimate of what YEORG should make as a standard? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, something really interesting that I learned at, at GiveWell and Open Philanthropy, um, was how weird it is when you track hours worked. So they had a, they had a norm where people use this app called Toggle to track how many hours they're working. And they learned once they started doing this that different people would track just wildly different numbers of hours of work um, uh, because of just like differences in how they thought about work. You know, some people would be like turning it on 
uh, when they were like typing something and then they'd turn it off because then they felt like, oh, when they were sort of sitting and thinking that like didn't really count. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people would like <laughs> leave it on, go to the bathroom, <laughs> come back, do a little bit of work, check Twitter, like keep going. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, th- I think something like um, 40 to 50 hours of kind of trying to do work time mm-hmm. seems pretty reasonable. But recognizing that in the time where you're trying to do work, you often will kind of get distracted or feel tired or need a break. Um, Maybe, yeah, maybe it can be a little more for some people, a little less for other people. Um, I think 40 to 50 hours is a good standard for organizations to kind of look for. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, people are different. Yeah. Uh, so uh, aside from leading by example, are there things that stand out to you that we can be doing as a community to encourage sustainable motivation? Yeah, I think talking about it is big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and I, I think I didn't say this super clearly before, so I'll say it again. Uh not glorifying people who are working really hard, mm. not being like, oh man, he's so busy all the time. He never has time to talk to people. He doesn't get back to people by email because he's so busy. Um, I think looking at that as like, oh, that person is like making some shaky prioritization decisions. Like seems like they should be yeah. a little bit careful about that. Or like, I don't know, maybe it's working for them, but like seems a little bit risky to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, you know, I don't want to say like judge them, but like yeah. don't talk them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on the flip side, you know, praising and reinforcing when people are taking time to do other stuff and when people are, uh, like, sharing the parts of them that are um, not only thinking about EA all the time. My, I mean, my, um, my favorite version of effective altruism has always been one where it's about figuring out how to use the part of your time and resources that you want to dedicate to, do, to doing good, figuring out how to do that most effectively. Um, I think the version of EA that is, like, dedicate your entire life to the cause Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just doomed. I think we, it's just not going to yeah. work. <laughs> and there's also um, something that's come out in sort of recent years of, uh, I think maybe in the context of being being parents, of like leaving loudly, saying, I'm going to see my child's play now. I'm going to do something totally. so you're, you're making it part of the culture. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's really important from, from leaders as well and managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, you know, I, I think it can be good as well to realize as a, as a manager, as a leader, what expectations you're implicitly setting. So yeah, again, if you're emailing your employees on a Saturday, are you sure that they know you don't want them to be checking email? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people will see an email like that and suddenly assume like, oh, like he's kind of passive aggressively telling me that I should um, that I should be responding or something like that. So being really self aware of the implicit expectations that you can that you're setting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so an audience member uh, says that they often hear other EAs that they look out for. Um, sorry, that they look out for their well-being to help make sure they are more productive. Uh, does this way of framing it, do you think, make the problem worse? Because it still implies that what matters is being more productive and getting more done. Yeah, it's a really hard line to walk. Um, uh, and uh, as you saw in my talk, I kind of went through that line of reasoning and then also gave some others. Um, I think the the issue I see is that often when people are deep in this mindset and they feel like, man, I really have to work hard, it really matters, the only thing that can get through to them is this mm-hmm. message of like, hey, it's about your productivity. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's an accurate message. Like I, I do, in fact, really think that working this way will be bad in the long term for the projects you care about. Um, but I also think that that's only one of several reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a tough line to walk. I think kind of pragmatically accepting that if you see someone in this situation, that may be the most effective way to talk to them about it mm-hmm. um, or to like get their attention at least. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I th- always think it's amazing if that's the thing that you're like, oh, no, rest so that I can work harder. Right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's... Yeah. Don't try to be too productive because you'll be less productive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Um, please join me in thanking uh, Helen today. <laughs>